weekend is coming and it's time for a bath We're going to some bodies and we'll have a good laugh Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Get It Whacked, the Macclesfield Cricket Club podcast. Over the coming weeks and months, we intend to go behind the scenes of Mac CC and meet some of the players and characters at the club, find out some things about them you never knew or most likely never wanted to know, and above all, hopefully have a few laughs along the way. Macclesfield Cricket Club is grateful for the continued support of our various sponsors. Today's featured sponsor is PR Jones Jewelers. PR Jones Jewellers are very proud to be the main club sponsor. They have four shops across Cheshire East, two in Macclesfield, one in Nutsford and one in Nantwich. With over 50 years of experience, they are able to cater for all your needs, ranging from prestige jewellery, branded and unbranded watches, watch, clock and jewellery repairs, and they have one of the finest selections of engagement and wedding rings across South Manchester. They are currently open for business online at www.prjonesjewellers.co.uk. Michael, David and Grieber Jones would like to wish everyone the best in these difficult times. Without further ado, I would like to introduce today's guest. This man came over from Australia to play for Macclesfield during the 2004 season, Widely regarded as one of, if not the quickest bowlers to play for Macclesfield, he lit up the county league both on and off the field with Pfeiffer in his first game. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Sam McTaggart. Tags, how are you? Morning, Miles. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad at all. Very glad to have you on the podcast and I uh, hope you're enjoying a, a nice Sunday evening over in Australia. Yes, it's uh, absolutely beautiful, mate. I must uh, I must admit you're doing a fantastic job with these podcasts, mate, keeping us expats up to date with uh, what's going on over there, which is uh, it's very nice to, to keep in touch with everyone. Oh, mate, that's that's really great to hear. I know that you're, uh, you're still sort of fairly regularly in touch with a a few reprobates that we might get onto a bit later on in the podcast but um, no it's always nice you know one of the great things about the podcast is kind of uh, reconnecting with uh, some of our overseas players and and, and former players and and indeed just kind of you know bringing the Mac family together starting off on on a really huggy positive note here Tags. It can only go downhill from here. Well you said it Belt. no uh, all joking aside mate uh, how's the sort of uh, the pandemic year of 2020 been over in Australia for you? Uh, We're on the sunny coast mate sunshine coast of uh, Queensland we're lucky enough to live in a a, a place called Mooloolaba which is a very uh, holiday destination uh, area so we've been yeah very fortunate here mate in regards to the, the COVID of 2020 so yeah we, we haven't really lived too much of it like the some of the southern states in in australia and obviously uh in the uk as well mate so yeah we've been extremely fortunate here and obviously um yeah all our thoughts are with with uh, you guys over there who you know by all accounts it's been a long tough uh battle but hopefully there's some light at the end of the tunnel yeah absolutely mate i think that's what uh a lot of us with the the more positive uh positive sense of things are just sort of staring towards that light in the tunnel and and i'm hoping we can uh, we can get through this not obviously not just for the cricket sense but you know in general um but it you know on a similar tact it's nice to see that there are other places in the world that that have handled it uh pretty well and are, and are getting back to a pretty normal life or have been living one for a while I'm, i think i'm right in saying you, you didn't actually incur any sort of lockdowns or anything um in your state did you Early days, well, there was a period, mate, where there was uh, we kept our eldest son Huey. He started prep, and I think it was a maybe a five week period that 
we kept him at home for. But um, as opposed to a lockdown, no, there wasn't. It was just recommendations to you know keep your keep your kids at home for a few weeks. And yeah, basically the the ploy was to to knock it on the head early, which which fortunately we uh, we did. Yeah, and the and the sort of social distancing stuff. I, I guess that's uh, been encouraged and whatever. But it's a little bit different to to certainly the UK and and as you say, some of the southern states. I know Victoria have have had it pretty bad mm. a, a few times, haven't they? Yeah, that's right, mate. They have uh, my my parents are still down that way, down in uh, in Victoria, and yeah, they did a did a tough uh, winter stint last year, that's for sure. With yeah, very very uh, long and intense lockdown for uh, purposes that you that you hear about. Well, as I say, mate, I mean it's you know it's nice to sort of see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel over here. We're hoping the the vaccinations are, are going well, and and as I say, it's it's been good to turn on some some sport for everyone in Australia, the big bash and and you know test cricket and stuff, and, and see fans in attendance at the ground and you know it does give you a bit of a an uplift and just to see people in 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 attendance at events so you know hopefully 2021 can be the year that we all uh we all move out of this well, i think so mate. get those uh get those boys back out in the cricket field and give the locals something to view absolutely well uh talking about cricket mate we, we better move on to some of that but uh before we do i, th- I thought it'd be just be interesting as always with all the guests just to ask what you do when you're not playing cricket yeah work-wise we um we import specialized uh vacuum truck units from the uk actually mate from birmingham a company called uh whale tankers yeah we import them to the um east coast and um of australia and new zealand so a lot of uh a lot of travel i suppose pre-covid was uh was my game but once our borders over here were, were closed it was nice just to spend I'm in, in Queensland with, with the family, mate. So, yeah, that's my, my day-to-day role. Apart from that, a father of two these days. We've got Huey, who's six, who I mentioned before, who's uh, now in grade one, and little Izzy, who's two and a half um, years old. And she's definitely going to be an absolute handful, mate. So <laughs> I know you mentioned uh, that you've got your first on the way. So all the best with that, mate. I, I officially think that your life's basically over from here on in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Tags? Uh, you're not the first person to have said that to me. Dare say you won't be the last, but um, you know you seem to be doing all right. So maybe there's hope for us all. And uh, and how's the lovely Jacinta? Yeah, she's going well, mate. Going well. Um, obviously, hands full when I'm not here. Yeah, but no, she's uh, very supportive of the role I play uh, work-wise. Obviously, yeah, away a fair bit, and um, yeah, we uh, we live a pretty uh, nice little lifestyle up here on the coast, mate. So. Um, no, she's uh, she's very well. Excellent. Well, it's it's good to hear, mate. And uh, as I say, you know, it is a cricket podcast. Tags, we better talk about some cricket. So, with that in mind, what, what would you say your earliest cricketing memories are? My earliest cricket memories, Miles, would have been probably going along and watching uh, my dad Graham play at uh, at the local local club in. Uh, a club called Epping Career Club, which is in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. We used to uh, get along most of the time to watch him on a Saturday afternoon. And then I think my, my very first game was when I was seven and I had to fill in for the under-12s. At the same club, Dad was Dad was coaching. Yeah, so he really was involved in the local career club and a, a long-term life member there. And so that was the uh, the very early days, mate. Obviously, I continued to, to play through um, junior cricket and Back in the day when you absolutely loved it, you played juniors in the morning and you, you had half an hour to get to the next ground to, to play in the seniors as well. So there was uh, definitely a lot of cricket back then at the Epping Career Club. And what sort of age did you uh, sort of first come into your sort of senior cricket? Uh, I would have played just uh, local cricket at 
you know, basically our cricket. I would have played at 13 in the in the first grade, I think. And then, yeah, by the time I was 15, I then headed to uh, Northwood Career Club in the Victorian Premier League um, through a, a close contact there in Grant Gardner, um, who was at the time the, the skipper of the, the ones there, very successful um, cricketer. Had a chat to him and he, he thought it was a good idea to, to get down there and, yeah, started started basically playing from the from the fours and slowly worked my way up into into the first grade and was lucky enough to play along some very handy cricketers throughout my time there. And uh, I'm, I think I'm right in saying Northcote was your, your sort of your main club in your senior yeah. career. And I believe you had uh, a reasonable bit of success uh, over the years with Northcote, uh, including a finals day where you got a few wickets. Oh, that was... Uh... I'm trying to think what year that was, Miles. That might have been in 2003 or 2004. Um, might have been 2003 just before I came over to Mac. Actually, that was it. Was actually at the uh, the MCG, so it was a one day final. Back in the day, the Premier Cricket divided its season with uh, the two day competition and the one day competition. And then you obviously you know go through the season, and you, we were lucky enough to get through the semi final and then into the into the final, which was played at the MCG, and for a, I think at the time I was a 21 year old, and it was yeah pretty special to to have a game at the G, let alone uh, be given the new ball to to roll your arm over for the first over. And I was yeah fortunate enough, mate, to get a wicket off each of the first two balls that I bowled at the G. So um, yeah, that was a that was a nice day, and it, we walked away with a pretty solid win and um, celebrated well into the night with that one. <laughs> no doubt I'm sure you did and I thought it'd be interesting just to sort of talk a little bit about um, some of you bowling now because as I mentioned in your introduction uh, it's, uh, it's it's pretty well known that you know you uh, you say you turned your arm over a bit uh, I think you, you're probably doing yourself a, a little disservice there by all accounts and we'll probably get to it a bit later on uh, you know for those that don't know uh, Tags did bowl like the absolute wind I don't know if you still do now mate but, uh, but back in the day um, you know you, you could get it down there reasonably quickly were you were you always sort of a, a sort of up-and-coming young fast bowler no mate I wasn't actually I was um, more of a, a left-handed left-handed slogger I would have uh, probably called myself back in the uh, back in the junior days everything went to to mid-wicket or cow corner and uh, it wasn't until I was probably, you know, 13 or 14 and I thought, well, if you miss out with the uh, with the bat, it makes for a very long day, second day in the field. Um, so I thought I'll, I'll have a go at this uh, this bowling caper. And, yeah, in the end, it suited me well, Miles, because I've got – I think I've mentioned before that, I've, yeah, I, I did have a, a genuine case of white line fever um, <laughs> through, through most of my uh, playing career, which, you know, always got me excited about the, the battle and – I was a kind of bite the wall, wore me hard on my sleeve. Didn't matter who I was playing with. Yeah, just gave it everything I had every time I was out there. So yeah, in, to answer your question, no, it was uh, it was later on that I started to uh, to have a bowl mate, and then obviously uh, learn off a, a lot of good cricketers through yeah the Northcote days, who were great mentors and you know a lot of experienced cricketers um, at that club. I mean, obviously, you know. Fast bowling is, uh, as well we know, a very difficult, difficult discipline. You know, do, do, I mean, I don't know if you know your numbers, but do, do you know how sort of quickly you were bowling at, at, at say, your peak in your career? No, I'd have no idea, Miles, to be honest with you. I think, uh, well, back then, I, I don't think the whole radar was, uh, it was, it was obviously at first 11 cricket, but um, it definitely wasn't at, uh, at grey cricket or, you know, it wasn't as highly accessible as what uh, what it probably is these days um, I haven't been around a career club for a, for a very long time now so I don't know um, 
you know, no doubt there's there's some young kids out there that bowl fairly rapid that will be able to get their um get their numbers pretty uh pretty swiftly. But no, I, I never um never got clocked, mate. So I don't uh, I don't really know, and I'd I'd hate to do it uh, do it these days because I'm struggling to even reach the other end these days when I'm bowling on the beach to the little fella. So <laughs> going going back to it, obviously, you know, fast bowling when when you get into the the, the high end of things, it's it's not something you you know you can necessarily learn. I think people that genuinely bowl wheels uh if i can describe it as such kind of have that within them but um you know you mentioned as you know being fortunate to play with some pretty good cricketers and have some good mentors there um is there anyone that ever sort of got hold of you and, and really helped you progress with your bowling and get to that stage where you know you you're bowling a bit of gas yeah there were a few guys at northcote a lot of the guys there we're, oh, we're very fortunate mate we we had a lot of uh, first class cricketers um that play there including you know the great uh, chuck berry himself and then the the likes of ian harvey played, played alongside us for for a few years um and uh, there was another guy by the name of uh, Mickey Lewis who came from basically the the park cricket and just just came through very quickly through the ranks and finished up playing one day international cricket for Australia and he was um yeah he was extremely helpful with his with his knowledge um, and his experience so um you know through through a handful of blokes you, you got to yeah learn a lot off those guys which was you know it was incredible to to be playing cricket. Um, in the same team, let alone the same club. Were you someone that kind of uh, thought a lot about, say, the, the technical side and the biomechanics, or, or were you more someone that just kind of tore in and, well, tried to take people's heads off? <laughs> yeah, basically, mate. <laughs> there wasn't much uh, strategy to it, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> as long as I felt comfortable in uh, in my run-up, as long as I was bowling downhill and with a breeze, <laughs> I had nothing to whinge about. <laughs> I had to, I had to produce, otherwise I'd uh, quickly get swung around to the other end. So um, no, there wasn't a lot of the biomechanical side of things. There's, there's a lot of me that, that wishes that, that there was now because you know you have your your back issues and young cricketers get looked after fairly well these days with actions and you know limits on overs. Yeah, however, that wasn't around, so you just kept on running in, you know, all Tuesday night, all all Thursday night, and then obviously uh, whenever you're called upon on a on a Saturday, um, yeah, you just bowl your heart out, mate, and have a have a red hot crack for your side, really. Well, uh, obviously, talk about um, you know cricket over in Australia, and we will just come back to that a little bit later on because there's a couple of people you managed to drag back to Australia with you that uh, probably get your take on but um, for now we'll talk about Macclesfield and um, it'd be interesting to hear how the the opportunity to play at Macclesfield came about and indeed um, you know who who got in touch with you and, and how that came around. Yeah sure absolutely well um, obviously through that connection with uh, with Chuck at Northcote it was a very late decision I was in my first first year um, as a plumbing uh, apprentice back home here and we just come off a, a pretty good season in the Premier League down in Melbourne and Chuck had a chat to me that said that um, Macca after a, after a, a bowling all-rounder and so I uh, yeah I ran, it, ran it past a few people and basically I, I made I had to make my decision within a few days whether I was um, going or not obviously to basically give uh, Mac the heads up if they needed to look for somebody else so uh, yeah through that connection of, of Chuck and I, I still remember now that I only had um, yeah, a certain amount of days to, to obtain a, a visa to get across their miles. And as a young fellow being a first-year apprentice, I think back in the day I was on $105 a week. So uh, I borrowed the old man's car and I had to drive all the way to Canberra, which was a seven-hour drive, to obtain the visa. 
to allow me to enter the UK and then because uh, I didn't have enough cash to stay there the night, mate, I had to uh, drive back home. So I did a 14-hour drive for literally half an hour in the um, in the Australian uh, consulate getting me visa so I could uh, enter the UK and play cricket. And I, I hope you got your, uh, your old man's car back in one piece. Absolutely. <laughs> Very good. Well, fast forward a little bit. Obviously, you make your way over to Macclesfield. I'm sure there's lots of anticipation from from you, yourself and and indeed uh, all the blokes over in Mac. But um, I th- I think you'd be pretty keen to to maybe recount your first 24 hours in Macclesfield, as as you've told me. There's a there's a few good stories that centre around that. Yeah, sure, mate. It was a bit of a um, bit of a whirlwind, as I said. So it was nice to to actually get on the plane and and sit there and put your put your feet up for you know the best part of 20 odd hours and not have to uh steer the vessel which was nice um but yeah i'd, I'd remember um arriving into i arrived into uh london and then andrew taylor booked me a flight to go to uh manchester obviously so i had no idea where i was going miles and i think i was i was cutting it very very fine but bless uh bless taylor he he booked me a seat up the front of the plane and i thought oh geez how good's how good this show? This is uh, unbelievable. And I arrived at, at Manchester Airport, and um, I was meeting a guy called uh, called Danny. That's all. I'd, I've, I think I spoke to Danny once or twice, and the great uh, Danny Ackley. I arrived at the airport, and um, yeah, he basically threw me a, a plastic bag and said, "Here you go. That's yours. Let's go. Let's get out of here." Right. I was thinking, this bloke's a bit, uh, a bit grumpy. He must have had a bad day at work or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, I'll have a look in his bag anyway. And it's a blue shirt. And I'm like, right, that might be a training shirt or whatever whatever it might be. And uh, I was actually too scared to take me time to have a look at it, Miles, because I was like, this bloke is in a genuine hurry here. I better uh, just keep up with him. So we got in the car and, you know, typical typical Manchester, it was uh, it was raining and drizzly. So we uh, we drove and I'm thinking, right, oh, well, uh, where are we staying, mate? What are we, what are we doing? I'm all, uh, um, I was meant to be staying with Danny at the time. We'd organised that I'd be staying in his house. He said, oh, look, accommodation, accommodation's changed. We'll worry about that later. Um, so, you know, I'm sitting in this car thinking, oh, geez, have I even got a bed to stay in tonight? Um, you know, I'm going to have to just hunt around and see if I can find myself some accommodation. And I thought, oh, we'll worry about that later anyway. There's nothing I can do about that now. We pulled up and pulled up in a little um, little suburban street. Obviously, uh, as everyone knows it and I came to know was uh, where the, the local pub was, the flag. Um, got told to leave me bag in the car. You won't be needing that. So we went straight in there and met, uh, obviously, Lord and Viv, the lovely Lord and Viv behind the behind the bar there. And, yeah, probably consumed, I would have thought, about uh, 10 or 12 pints, Miles. And um, and I remember meeting all the boys and thinking, oh, this is great. How good is it? It doesn't matter if I... If I haven't got a place to stay tonight, I've had a I've had a ripper night. If even if I do go home now, I've had a I've had a good time in England. I can tell some good stories and uh, and life would go on. But um, anyway, from there we uh, I won't say we drove. We we got uh, some transport into into town and served ourselves. Uh, I think it was a curry from is it Shalimar? Is that the? It is yeah, the Shalimar. Yeah, Shalimar. We got a got ourselves a, a takeaway curry from there and started uh, heading up to. Um, High Fence Road, I think it's called, where uh, the great Mickey Jones lives. Um, yeah, so apparently that's where that's where we were staying. Danny was was just staying there for for a couple of weeks, so I was uh, I was along with him. And this Mickey fellow um, actually wasn't wasn't home at the time, and 
I said, oh, who, who's this bloke? He's always, you know, more into the rugby club and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, right, oh, where is he? And he said, oh, he's, he's on a rugby tour at the moment watching the, the Lions over in South Africa, I think it was. And I said, right, oh, yep, no worries. I said, he knows you, he knows I'm staying here. Yeah, yeah, of course he does. And off Danny went to, to work, uh, to bed that night. And then he got up and he was gone in the morning. I'd I'd just fallen asleep on the couch miles that night. And um, he, uh, next morning, some bloke rolls in, he, he's... He's, uh, I won't use me French, but he's like, who the, who the F are you? I'm like, I'm, uh, I'm Sam, I'm the, I'm the Aussie. Who? I said, hasn't, hasn't Danny told you that I'm going to be uh, staying here? And he said, mate, I've got no idea who you are or what you're doing in my house, but I'm going to, I'm just about to ring, uh, ring Danny and find out. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm, uh, I'm starting to get the sweats on a little bit, you know, feeling a bit dusty from the night as well so mickey uh mickey rings danny and then he comes back in and he goes yep all good no worries are we going uh are we going out for a coffee or are we going out for a feed and from uh, from then on mickey's been a an absolute uh father figure really for me from his time in in mac and then obviously the time uh even after like you know mickey and i speak regularly still um and just a just a really great man and uh, very uh very fortunate to have a close friendship with him and even last year when he, he travelled over here, he come and stayed and, uh, you know, was was thrilled to see see the kids. But, um, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was an interesting moment, that's for sure, when I honestly thought I was going to be out on uh, with no no home and nowhere to stay. Thankfully, he uh, took me under his wing for, for six months. Well, uh, it's interesting you mentioned uh, the, the great Mickey Jones there and uh, Danny Ackley, someone we'll, we'll come back to in a little bit. But uh, I had a bit of a chat with uh, with Mickey and he mentioned to me about this story and he said he was on this rugby tour in South Africa and uh, and he you know got back and he sort of <laughs> suddenly had this phone call with Danny and Danny had explained, oh, yeah, uh, is it okay if the Aussie stays? And uh, he said he was really annoyed. As soon as he then... Had this phone call with Danny Ackley. Everything was sorted, and uh, you know, you, you became someone very important to him. So it's an in- interesting way to uh, to meet someone, Miles. I probably wouldn't recommend it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> very good indeed. And what uh, what were you sort of your, your opening memories and overriding uh, you know feelings about uh, some of your teammates and 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 things like that, and the training and and the ground when you first got to Macclesfield? Yeah, well, I think uh, the first day we, we we did a bit of a, a tour around once. Um, once Danny had finished work, we did a bit of a tour and went and had a look at the the ground and you know through town and and um, but obviously the first the first side of things was meeting most of the guys uh, for a beer that that first evening and yeah I just just felt part of a part of a family immediately Miles um, it was just a really nice down to earth bunch of guys and 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 girls as well yeah so it was. It was just fantastic to to feel so welcomed. You know, they they didn't know me from a bar of soap. I could have been absolutely anybody, but um, there was uh, warm hugs and and even even later on later on down the track, uh, we went back to to Mac a, a few years later as well, and it was exactly the same once again. So, and I've I've held onto a lot of those friendships. Um, obviously, you know, Facebook and Messenger makes that very easy these days. Um, but yeah, I've still got a lot of. Uh, a lot of close friends that, that live over there and that's you know testament to the the people that they are and and the career club oh well that's uh, it's a great thing to hear mate and i think obviously it's something we we try to uh continue on the good tradition of of, of being a very welcoming club especially to our to our overseas players 
but uh, just to anyone in general. Um, and it's also nice to hear, you know, when people come back. And I know you mentioned Chuck there. Obviously, Chuck's been back across a few times and is hoping to come back uh, next year. So uh, maybe we hold out hope that we might see you again down at Victoria Road. Well, mate, you never know. As I said, uh, our company is an English, English-owned company, mate. So I was actually meant to be there uh, in April last year. But uh, obviously that uh, didn't uh, didn't come to hand. But anyway, there will be an opportunity in the near future, no doubt. Now, uh, moving on to, to some of your sort of Macclesfield performances and whatnot. Um, unfortunately, there's there's not a great deal of, of sort of stats and games from, from the season you were here. So I can't really run over that much for you. It's probably not a bad thing, Miles. <laughs> Whether you're pleased or not about that. But there are, there are a few games that I do want to talk about. Um, but before we get to that, I can't run over the stats tags, but it's a bit of a tradition we've got to talk about your uh, your batting and your bowling here obviously widely regarded as uh, as as a, a premium quick but uh, did you did you ever fancy yourself as much of a batter did you in, did you enjoy batting in england and uh, any sort of feelings or flirting with a bit of an all-rounder i did enjoy my batting there's no doubt i definitely uh, probably rated myself hot, higher than what uh, my numbers would have would have shown miles that's for sure <laughs> uh, it was it was definitely a challenge coming across there and batting after coming coming from the the premier wickets um, especially at the back end of the year here which are, are fairly flat and um, and hard so you know true for pace and then coming into an early season in England which you know obviously the the wickets are a little bit slower so it, it did take me a while to to adjust I was very frustrated with you know getting caught at, at mid off and and mid on a lot yeah so it was it was one thing that I, I adjusted somewhat, but um, yeah, definitely, um, definitely not to the full extent that I that I would have liked. And uh, yeah, we ever ever consider yourself an all rounder, or are you you know happy to stay in the bowlers camp who likes a bit of the long handle? Oh, I'd never consider myself. I'd definitely never consider myself a batsman because I feel that batsmen are just weird in general. Um, <laughs> so even if I even if I was knocking out big numbers miles, I wouldn't uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be going anywhere near those blokes. But um, yeah, all rounder. Um, I did a lot of my batting down at um, down in Australia and uh, at about number seven. So um, yeah, bowling bowling all rounder. Um, sometimes got away with a few, and most of the time uh, I didn't. <laughs> and did you enjoy the, the sort of pitches and the surfaces when you first came over to England? What do you what do you remember about those? I, I remember getting told a lot about them. You know, from from previous people who who had been across there, like um, I was close with uh, Mickey Allen, who played at Northcote and obviously um, had some great success in uh, in Mac. Um, yeah, so you talk to blokes like that, and you hear a lot about it, but it's always it's always a new thing to to witness at first hand when you've never played on on a, a slower wicket. Um, so yeah, it did take a lot of adjusting. Bowling wise, it was nice to have a little bit more moisture in the wickets. Um, just to get that that seemed to to bite a little bit, although you know it obviously affected the the carry through to through to the keeper. Yeah, but in saying that, yeah, a lot of the times you you'll probably be bowling a lot a lot fuller length than what you were back home. Just um, just really looking for the the bolds and the the lbws and the you know the um, the driving uh, nicks through to the cord instead of you know coming through the the top of top of off stump, which we've always aim for back in Australia well there's a a couple of games that I kind of want to mention and talk about now 
Um, one in particular that's uh, very uh, <laughs> synonymous with yourself, um, and this is the first game we're going to discuss, which is from the 1st of May 2004, um, and this is Macclesfield against Hyde. Uh, Mac won the toss and elected to bat that day, and in uh, true Macclesfield tradition, produced a, a somewhat below par batting performance with 133 all out off 48 overs. Uh, Danny Ackley was captain that day and uh, helped himself to 53. Um, yourself, you batted number four, um, and we won't talk about the fact that you got a duck. Do you remember that one? <laughs> You're very right. I, I still remember that one, too. I was filthy about that. <laughs> I was already on. The problem was, Miles, I was already on off the short boundaries. <laughs> well, you did say you're a man that loves uh, the leg side, mid-wicket, cow corner region, and uh, hides, right. a, hides a pretty good ground for that, given that it is basically a postage stamp. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, that's not the innings that we need to be talking about here. Now, by all accounts, and I've, I've heard this game mentioned before I had the opportunity to talk to you, um, because I'm reliably told from a number of people that uh, the spell of bowling you bowled this day um, was as quick as as, <laughs> as anybody's seen in, in, in quite a long time at Macclesfield. And in fact, from a couple of people who've told me they've never seen anything quicker. Now, you didn't actually open the bowling, to be, to, to be totally honest. Looking at the scorecard, uh, Ronnie opened the bowling and, and, and helped himself to a few wickets. And uh, Barney Cutbill, he opened the bowling as well. But uh, yourself, you came on about 5.2 overs, uh, took three wickets for nine runs. And Barney, bless him, uh, <laughs> was one of the people that told me about this game. And he said, um, you know, you, you were at the top of your mark, absolutely steaming in. Um, and and the poor Hyde sort of lower order and, and tail uh, quite clearly couldn't see the ball. Um, and and we're not enjoying this whatsoever. Nor so were the the slip fielders, because Barney said he he remembers being a second or third slip, um, thinking it's it's absolutely freezing in the beginning of May, and if one of these lads nicks one, um, it's going to be smash fingers all round, <laughs> which which we'll get to. <laughs> but um, no, I, all joking aside, you, you, you cleaned up the tail, and um, I understand that after this game, word had kind of got around the league that Mac had got this absolute tearaway fast bowler, um, and that there were a few a few people that didn't enjoy themselves that day. Um, do Do you remember this game? Do you remember any of those wickets, or and do you remember that spell? I don't remember any of the wickets. Um, I do remember the day, though. It was um, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful little spot up there at uh, at Hyde. I, I definitely remember the ground. Um, as I said, I was with the pads, and I was already picturing putting someone, you know over his head and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I made the blob clearly. But um, I remember going into the change room at at the uh, tea break miles and obviously the, the change room is really close. And I even think that we you might even share the showers and toilets with uh, with the Hyde boys. And I remember walking in on them and, yeah, they were all negative talking about, um, you know, the batting side of things and, oh, you know, but how are we still going to get 150? And I was like, oh, geez, that's, that's strange if, you know, if you get knocked over 150, I'm more thinking that uh, we've got the work to do, not not that they have. Yeah, so I got a bit of a a bit of a sniff then, I suppose. You could uh, yeah, almost almost smell the blood in the water early, and I thought, uh, right, we better we better get up and about. And with with obviously Ronnie um, opening up and and moving him as uh, as only Ronnie does, and I know you you gave Barney a bit of a a bit of a 
<laughs> a bit of a spiel there, but I think um, you know Barney was the the perfect one to open the ball. He was he was the one that was uh, swinging swinging them either way, and you had Ronnie cutting them off the same at the other end. And I was more than happy to to stand around and uh, and wait for wait for my turn. But um, yeah, so when when I did get the ball in my hand, I I remember oh, it's almost like I could picture it now. It, the obviously the ground's really short. Um, back then the you know the run up was was fairly fairly lengthy and there was a couple of guys who were just standing next to the um, side screen and just started just started yapping at me. Yeah, right, okay, no worries, I'll just ignore it for a bit and and then, you know, the rhythm was was feeling good as I as I spoke to before about, you know, when, when things feel good you really uh, really try to let them go. And I think that day was a day that um, you know things things were, were really clicking and the white line fever was uh, right up there amongst uh, amongst the red level that day, Miles, with uh, with a couple of guys getting more and more vocal at the uh, top of my run up. I um, I saw red and just uh, just ran in and, and gave it a, a red hot crack, and we're lucky enough to yeah, obviously get a few wickets at the end. And yeah, I, I think we might have bowled them out for less than seventy that day. I think, and um, yeah, it was a it was an unbelievable win. Well, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Barney, who uh, as you. You quite rightly say I did give him a little bit of a spray there, but you know we all know he deserves it. He did. Uh, he did, in fact, send me in uh, a a bit of a clip, um, a, a a bit of an anecdote about this day, and I'm I'm just going to try and share this with you now, mate. He was a talented boy. He bowled proper wheels, but because of his shoulder and Friday evening activities, he only really bowled quick twice. Um, and I can remember the second of these clear as day. Uh, first time, well, one of the times was witness at home and he took five for nothing and won us the game. The other time was up at Hyde on a freezing sort of afternoon. And we batted first. Um, and I can't remember what we posted, probably not an awful lot, as was always the case in those days. And he bowled wheels absolute wheels proper gas 85 plus mile an hour it was it was a pleasure to watch um it wasn't such a pleasure to be stood at second or third slip probably literally 25 yards back um and the high tail enders they obviously they couldn't see they hadn't played against such pace and they were just wafting the bat. And we were all like behind the stumps shouting, what are you doing? If you get an edge, you're going to take her fingers off. And it was cold and we were just dreading the ball coming. Unfortunately, he got most of them, I think, bowled or LBW. Um, but it was one of those moments where you stood literally 25 yards back, the length of the pitch back at slip, thinking, this is quick. In his own words. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, it's amazing how all those years later Barney can still uh, can still whinge about it being cold and worrying about his fingers. I suppose that's probably the whole lot I took out of that, Mike. <laughs> I mean, my next question would be, what on earth was he doing in the slips? But uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I've, I've given I've given Barney a bit of a spray here. I, I, we, we'll probably move on from him, but uh, no, all joking aside, thanks as ever to, to Barney for, uh, for 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 regaling us with yet another good story. Very kind words. Thank you for your continued support of the podcast. Since the debut episode back in March, we have amassed over 7,000 unique downloads and been recognised by the ECB with a national award for proactive leadership in the community as featured recently on Sky Sports. 
The podcast continues to develop and grow, and I would like to take this opportunity to thank all of you, the listeners, for continuing to support and engage with the podcast. The podcast is self-funded, and we could not continue to create content without the support of our Patreons. Special thanks to Ian Kenny, Tom Radley, Barney Cutbill, and Dave Bostock. Thanks also to our most recent Patreons, Andy Moores, Mitch Moores, Anna Jordan, David Cowan, John Kerwin, Vic Herndon, Alex Griffiths, Stuart Parks, and Glenn Marshall-Clack. Thank you. For anyone interested in supporting the podcast, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash get it whacked, or you can click on the link in the description of this podcast. Well, the other game that I wanted to talk about, mate, was not the uh, not the witness game that he mentions where he took five foot. Um, uh, another sort of uh, low scoring thriller, uh, you might describe it as such, was uh, played on the fifth of June two thousand and four, and this is Macclesfield versus Oxton. Macclesfield won the toss and batted first. Were seventy four all out again? Yourself, uh, you were batting at four that day. Bit of a nosebleed, Mars. I would have thought. No, well, I mean, listen, when when you only get 70-odd, but uh, you, you were caught and bowled, allegedly, for four. Uh, don't know if you remember that one. No, no, I seem to erase that kind of stuff from, yeah. uh, from my memory, mate. Yeah, well, we, we won't talk about that anymore. But uh, moving on to the Oxton innings. Um, as I said, you uh, you turned up again pretty big here. Um, yet again, I mean, much as I just said I wasn't going to give Barney a spray, um, for some reason Barney was opening the bowling ahead of you. God knows why. Um, trying to make it an interesting game in a low-scoring thriller, I guess. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, Ronnie bowled 14 overs, took four wickets. Um, Barney helped himself to one, seven overs, three maidens, one for 12. Very economical as always is our Barney. And uh, yourself, first change, came in yet again, did a bit of a demolition job um, and, and blew away the last five wickets. Do you do you remember much about this game being a, a low-scoring thriller? Yeah, I do, mate. It was a... It was a really interesting year, to be honest with you. We it was it was one of those years where we really battled. But um, you know, if we batted first and and got you know almost eighty on the board, we we really did uh, back ourselves with with the bowling side of things. And obviously, Ronnie and Barney opening up was uh, they were the perfect match, to be honest with you. Obviously, Ronnie just uh, continuously taking wicket after wicket for the uh, entire season. And yeah, I came on came on that game, and it was um, it was very overcast. And yeah, I, they, were, they were coming out quite well, and I remember early beating a few, you know, outside the bat a lot, and couldn't uh, couldn't quite get the edge through. And I thought oh, I might uh, might change my tact here and just try to try to hit the stumps and you know bowls falling as fast at the stumps as as possible. And yeah, lucky enough they uh, they started to come out um, all right that day, and I think most of them would have been either LBW and bold um, from memory, um, but. Yeah, and to, to be fair, it's I think a lot of a lot of those blokes couldn't really hold a bat down the down the bottom of the order either, Miles. So it's um it's probably done me figures justice to be fair. But yeah, I do I do remember that day. It was um yeah, like I said, very overcast and yeah, we were definitely up and about after knocking a team over for fifty and and winning by uh, twenty runs when you only got seventy on the board. Yeah, and uh, as Barney says, back in those days, Mac were uh, occasionally guilty of posting uh, somewhat under. Par scores batting first. <laughs> you could say that, no doubt. Well, very good. Now, uh, there's there's a couple of bits that we we mentioned or have been mentioned in there, and 
that I want to move on to. Firstly, obviously, Barney does reference the, the shoulder and, and, and a bit of an injury. And, you know, perhaps you, you only bowled really quick uh, a few times. Was it much of a sort of in injury plight for you in that season and, and indeed, you know, throughout your career? Uh, I had a bit of a... I, I came into oh, the, the back end of the, the Premier League back in uh, in Australia here with a bit of a problem in the shoulder and it, it, it came... It came good uh, a month out from from our finals, and I thought, right, I'm I'm all good here. And obviously, the the late notice, and I was playing okay cricket back here, so hence I uh, decided to take the opportunity up to to head to Mac. Yeah, and I suppose in in the end, Miles, it was probably more of a uh, an overuse injury. Um, I dived in the field originally and did some damage, and it, it came good, but it probably just needed that that rest in the off season to um to get it 100 percent right and obviously coming across to to mac it didn't give it that opportunity so it was I, I don't know how many games that i missed to be honest with you it's um i definitely played every game but i wouldn't have bowled in in every game um but yeah body wise that was the issue there um was was definitely the shoulder and career wise i've i've definitely finished up with a really uh crook back post career um i do remember playing a, a local grand final in, uh, in Geelong in a town that we, we lived in down south and I hadn't played months before that and I was coaching the club at the time and I thought it'd be a wonderful idea to um, get some get some jabs and an epidural and get through to the, the grand final and which we uh, which we got done by two runs in in the end and I remember quite uh, distinctively walking up to the cafe about uh, six weeks later with with the young fella and I uh, I dropped to the ground and I thought oh gee someone's stuck a a knife in the back of my knee here. I don't know what's going on, and fair enough, it was the uh, the epidural that had finally worn off in uh, in my spine. And um, yeah, since then I've I've really battled with with back injuries. Yeah, no doubt through through the fast bowling career that um, it's not very easy on the body. That's for sure, mate. That gives us a bit of a nice segue talking about injuries, mate, because. Um... One of uh, one of our other long-standing clubman, recent uh, guest on the podcast, Paul Hughes, has uh, made mention of a, a bit of an incident that occurred uh, in no small part due to your uh, fairly sharp bowling um, on the on the twenty second of May. Uh, Mac played Didsbury away, and unfortunately, Yozza caught one, <laughs> or rather, didn't catch one off you right on the end of his finger, and uh, apparently absolutely dismantled his finger he took his glove off and he said it was basically sideways uh, he had to go to hospital and then he was rushed in for emergency sun, uh, surgery um, on the monday and had sort of wire and all sorts of things and and, and sort of took him quite a quite a while to get this finger rebuilt by all accounts um do you, do you remember this incident yeah i i don't remember um the actual delivery that that did it i'd i'd I definitely remember him, uh, yeah, making an absolute mess of his finger, and uh, I think he actually tried to blame me. And I was like, "Mate, you've got to stop using symbols, and you know, start using the gloves that you've you've got, and you'll be right. You all you got to do is stand there and catch a ball, mate. How can we keep him back?" It's uh, you know, he, he he boasts about you know Chuck using his uh, his kit, but um, he had uh, he he must have had kit on that day. I don't know what happened. He just uh, completely completely missed it, and yeah, right in the end of the finger, and Unfortunately for him, it, yeah, it exploded his finger, and uh, he was in a he was in a world of hurt um, for a, for a decent time after that. I think he might have even missed that whole season. Yeah, not to make you feel bad, but it, he did tell me it it took him nearly a year to get it right. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Sorry, yours. I don't think I've probably ever apologised. Although we did um, 
we did go and meet him in in the hospital and make sure everything was uh, was going okay. I'm surprised he didn't tell this story. Actually, we um... well, uh, he he did actually make mention of of this particular incident uh, tags because I believe uh, you know on on the Monday after the surgery, yourself and uh, and Danny were sort of feeling pretty bad and you know worried about your great pal Yoz and and he thought you'd pay him a visit. And by all accounts, you you bought him a bit of a a bit of reading material uh, in in a plastic bag, and uh, apparently this this was given to yours. And you know, here's here's something to to keep you occupied. And um, apparently, uh, <laughs> Claire and her nieces had turned up at this point, and were very interested to to see what um, you know what storybooks you'd been bought. And uh, and and <laughs> yours was uh, had to be pretty careful about this. Is, uh, is there any anything you want to add to this story? No, I think you nailed it in one, mate. I think uh, you mentioned Danny Ackley, and yeah, that's I'd uh, I'd put that all on him. To be fair, um, <laughs> I had absolutely nothing to do with that. I think I've been thrown under the bus there, but um, I do remember <laughs> I do remember uh, buying a. I think is a the paper there, the the Daily Mail. Is that right? I remember yeah, getting yeah. A, a Daily Mail, and yeah, so we did the right thing. We you know. Hid this plastic bag inside the, uh, or oh, sorry, Danny hid this plastic bag inside the um, the Daily Mail and handed it across. And it was just going, oh, thanks, boy, star. Good to see you. And then it slipped out of the bottom. And geez, you've never seen a bloke move move quick enough to bury that under his pillow while <laughs> Claire and the uh, nieces were there. It was, uh, yeah, he moved very, very swiftly to um, to hide that. Well, apparently, uh, Yoz tells me that his, his his parents were there as well, and and his his dad clearly knew exactly what was going on because he was winking at him and smirking <laughs> as uh, Claire and the girls were, were sort of try, trying to trying to look at the uh, storybook. <laughs> In the end, everything was okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, I, yeah, that was that was one of the funny ones. I must admit, um, <laughs> yeah, Dan was uh, Danny was one of those blokes that um, you know he's almost a. A brother from another mother with uh, with me. We we got along like a house on fire, and we probably um, were very bad influences on on each other. And uh, yeah, but you wouldn't you wouldn't change a thing. That's for sure. He's a he's an amazing person, Danny. And uh, as he's another one as well, mate. He's um, still obviously in close communication with uh, with Danny, and you know every now and then speak to yours as well. But yeah, that. Um, that was a ripper that day. That was uh, that was a great stitch up. Well, there there are all sorts of uh, you know stories and things that come across the annals of time, and you know Danny Ackley is invariably involved in quite a lot of them, not just with yourself, but uh, you might be interested to know, Tags, that uh, I'm actually going to be doing a podcast with the Ackley brothers coming up quite soon. Oh, um, very interested. So uh, we'll we'll have to be in touch off the air just to, to get a, a bit of information. But but what I do know is obviously you and Danny grew pretty close over the season, like you say, a brother from another mother, and and perhaps it's fair to say you you kind of you know grew close over over your love of cricket and tea and biscuits and that sort of thing. But uh, you know, other than what you've said, what what can you tell us about Danny? Well, I think he's uh, he's just a a genuinely really really great fella he's obviously he was well back in the day he was with the with the police force and um very professional at, at the role that, that he played there and then yeah obviously we uh our, our bond together was absolutely fantastic along with with mickey you know we had we had our own own special days on on sundays which were called mickey days um so every sunday it was obviously mickey jones's only day off from uh from the jewelry shop and yeah so we um we're all living together at this stage so into a car and went went up to the hanging gate. Um, basically, every 
every Sunday, mate, and um, sat around and drank a heap of uh, a heap of pints, and then made our way down the hill. And it was, it was almost like uh, like religion. We finished up at the Titherington Club on uh, on most Saturday evenings, and then you know, no doubt, um, feeling very very dusty, ninety um, percent on uh, on Monday mornings. It was uh, Monday mornings were a really battle after. A real battle after the Mickey days that we used to have, but no, as as you said, mate, it was a very close close bond between you know not only Danny but um, yeah Mickey as well. It was yeah it was unbelievable. They 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 took me under the their wing and you know showed me the the ropes. That's for sure. <laughs> there, there is one thing that I'd I'd like on uh, on Danny's podcast. Can can we actually hook him up to a lie detector test at the same time, or is that is that going too far? I mean. If if we can get some sort of injunction against him, maybe we'll we'll have to speak to the uh, the Lord Chief Justice Whittingham and, and see if we can call him in for uh, official questioning and hook him up to a lie detector. But uh, I have a feeling we might struggle to get him to agree to that. That's the only problem. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the final thing I will say about Danny is, uh, you know, uh, one of the other chaps we're going to talk a bit about in a minute, uh, uh, young young Bimo, who was uh, sort of a bit of an up and coming player uh, when when you were in in and around the team in that year. So Bimo was kind of on the rise, and subsequently, I think, went back to Australia or came to Australia to to, to play at the club you play at. But um, I have an amusing story where uh, I think. Um, you know, Bimo being this up and coming player, um, I don't think his dad necessarily agreed, shall we say, at times with uh, some of the things that were going on in and around the team. I think uh, he felt that perhaps we we could have taken some of the cricket a little bit more seriously. But um, there's there's a great quote that people talk about uh, where Danny had basically institutionalised a, a a culture of of drinking and gambling. Uh, would would you agree with that? Uh, do you, do you think Bimo's dad had uh, was onto something there? Or geez, oh, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Um, <laughs> oh, I would have thought I'd go along the lines of uh, that Danny introduced team bonding and uh, and culture. Very very good indeed. Well, uh, as I say, talk, talking about Bimo there and and, and mentioning him, there's a, there's a few other people I, I, I want to mention, but um, I do hear a story from uh, from Bimo about um, you basically. Uh, on a on a on a trip back do you do you remember hazel grove oh no well i'm i'm reliably informed by bimo that unfortunately you you had to stop the traffic in hazel grove and had do a bit of a lap around the car is that bringing back no, any never, memories never been there miles <laughs> <laughs> well for anyone that really wants to get to the bottom of that i guess i'll have to ask bimo um i do i do uh, i do recall yeah, there was uh, a bit of a traffic jam on the way back from. Is that on the way back from Poynton, by any chance? It is, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. I might have been there then. Yeah, well, uh, talking about the Poynton game there, I think I think that was a bit of a, a low-scoring thriller in the end that that, that Matt ran out winners in a cup game, and uh, one of your other great mates from 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 Mac. Curly tells me about this game and, and he said Matt managed to squeeze over the line but he was very concerned because he was actually next into bat. Do you, do you remember do you remember much about that game? Uh, oh, I do remember being another um, low scoring one. Um, I don't remember what the what the scores were though mate but um, I think at the the end of the day I think it was uh, yeah Barney and I at the end and we, we managed to scrape over the line and I remember a lot of mid-wicket conversations with Barney basically saying that we can't get out here because Curly's in next, and he, he basically can't spell bat. <laughs> well, I, I'm sure at that stage he probably also couldn't spell sweep either. Uh, but no, <laughs> no, 
definitely not a band in his repertoire. No, well, it, you'll be pleased to know it definitely is now. Um, and I can't hear any anything said against my, my sweeping buddy. Um, <laughs> but no, joking aside, what, what what can you tell us about Curly? Oh, Curly's, uh, Curly's just one of those guys, mate, that's... Um, you know, the first, basically the first time you meet him, it, it's just everything's so easy. He's just a very loyal and, uh, yeah, great mate of mine. He he came across to um, Jacinta and, uh, and my wedding um, back, when was that, 10 years ago, 11 years ago this year. Um, yeah, he, he bought the bought the rings that, that Mickey Jones had, had, had got and, um, yeah, he, he accompanied those across to our wedding and delivered the, the rings on the wedding day. Yeah, so he's yeah just a just a great mate, and once again keeping uh, keeping contact with him a lot of the times. Back in the day, mate, he was a he was a great drinking partner. He uh, he never said no to a night out, even when it was exam week in in Newcastle. I think I said oh, I might come and have a look at uh, the Newcastle place. I've heard I think it was Newcastle. I've heard I've heard some good things about um, Newcastle. So let's uh, let's go and have a look. And he was a bit you know he wasn't uh, he was a bit reserved about the whole idea, Miles. Anyway, so we drove the little silver mini metro. Yeah, so we drove that, and we, we managed to we managed to get a top speed of 107 miles out of that little girl on the uh, on the way up there, and so we're pretty keen to um, you know obviously get Morty in there to to get his study done, and yeah, we kind of kind of absolutely hijacked his uh, exam week by having a very uh, a very healthy week, having a look around out on the uh, out on the circuit. That's for sure. <laughs> and uh, do you know if Curly managed to do okay in his exam week, or do we not talk about those things? Well, I think he actually managed to do okay in the end. Yeah. I think he's a pretty uh, he's a pretty smart guy, isn't he? Well, I mean, can I say that on here or not? Oh, I, th- I mean, you know, we, we like to throw a few uh, grenades, but you know, we, we can we can do some compliments as well. <laughs> <laughs> now he he mentions a couple of other little stories that I must ask you about. Firstly, he wants to uh, hear your take on tunners falling in a canal. <laughs> yes, what a ripper! I forgot about that. Gee whiz, the uh, great Martin Tunner. I'll tell you what, Tunners only lives. Half an hour from, uh, or twenty minutes now from where uh, where we are. Happy birthday to Tunners, who turns forty shortly. Two miles. Um, oh, wishing him a, a very happy birthday. Uh, absolutely, no doubt he, he tunes in. Um, yeah, I do remember this. We had a barbecue at um, at Mickey's place out the back. There was a beautiful Sunday afternoon, and um, there was a little little bit of the uh, amber ale consumed at the time. And he walked into Mickey's shed, and he's he's got this little uh, little tinny, a little boat in there, and it's you know a little ten horsepower motor and we thought oh let's go down the canal and have a bit of a bit of a look around here and we um we're going okay and you know putting along and we thought oh we'll stop in i can't remember what the what the pubs are along that canal there but um we stopped in at the first pub and we thought oh hey good this you know there's there's plenty of people sitting out in the beer garden that are they're looking going oh these boys have got the, the right idea so we stopped in there for for a pint or two and thought right oh on to the on to the next um and the bloody the motor wouldn't start, and uh, so we're we're stuck, you know, a fair way from Mickey's in this canal with a fair belly full of the uh, amber ale, as I explained. And <laughs> Tunnis has said, "Oh no, bugger it! I only, I only live up here. I'm, I'm bailing on you, blokes. You, you blokes can sort the sort the boat out yourselves." And we're like, "Come on, mate! Like, yeah, you know, give us a give us a chop out to to get it back to Mickey's." Like, no, 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 I literally live up this road. I'm out of here. See you later. <laughs> and uh, he's gone to. <laughs> He's still on the front of the boat, and he's gone to you know we're we're a metre away from the uh, edge of the canal, and he's he's gone to like leap and push off the push off the boat, and obviously the boat's not up against it, and it's just floating on the water. So the more pressure he's put up, you know, to jump off the boat, the boat's moved, and Tunnis has basically just dropped in the drink, just uh, 
just right then and there, <laughs> and he he finished up. Just uh, he made his decision, no doubt. He wasn't helping us. He uh, he climbed out, and off he went. Wet, walked home. Yeah, absolutely crashed. <laughs> oh well, I'm sure he'll absolutely enjoy remembering that story for his birthday. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No, Dad, I completely forgot about that one. It's a good one, Curly. Yeah, well, the other thing that, that Curly says, he, he says, you know, you're an incredibly popular um, man when you arrived at Macclesfield, universally loved by everyone at the club, and, and you became that very quickly. However, he did say there was a one exception, and that, that being Mrs. Melrose. Uh, is there any particular reason for this? Uh, yeah, there probably is, actually. Oh. <laughs> Jeez, he stitched me up here, hasn't he? Throw me. Talk about getting thrown under the bus. It's... um. I think we'd played, uh, or we went, we were meant to play hide at home this uh, this particular day, Miles. And yeah, we it got washed out. Well, there was no chance of uh, no chance of playing. So, um, which we were a bit disappointed about because obviously we uh, we had a good win against them earlier on in the year, and wins weren't uh, coming very thick and fast at the time. So we went to the uh, the Tempin Bowling Alley. Yeah, so we played played a game of Tempin Bowls against uh, against Hyde, and we uh, so we did beat them. Two times that year, we'll mark that one down as well. Um, and obviously, had a had a few jars along the way. We went back to to a couple of pubs. I think we walked back into town and stopped at a few along the way back into town. And came that time of the night that um, Jimmy Melrose was was due to to pull up stumps and and head home. So he'd uh, he organised to a lift home. So his his mum come to come to pick him up, unbeknownst to you know any of us. And we're we're kind of like walking along the street, and somebody's obviously. I'm going to put it down to somebody's obviously dared me miles to to do something really silly. It must have been really really warm that day because I had I hardly had any clothes on, <laughs> if if any. So it must have been you know scorching hot. And yeah, there's a car pulled up right in front of me, and I I stood there and yeah looked Mrs Melrose directly in the uh, directly in the eyes, and yeah I've never I've never seen a face like it. There was uh, her her blood was absolutely boiling, and uh, I thought right I, I am out of here and uh, I've, I've never legged it quicker getting out of there and I don't even think that uh, I don't think she's laid eyes on on uh, Danny Ackley since that day either because <laughs> apparently that was his fault because I was under his wing well this is what happens I'm afraid when uh, you know we get we get people on the podcast and I start asking questions these uh, these stories come out but as I said mate you, you may have your opportunity to exact a a, a modicum of revenge, especially with uh, the Achilles yet to come. Well, uh, I've got me pen and paper out already, Miles. <laughs> Very good. Now, the last thing I wanted to mention, obviously, talk about BMO there and the great Northcote Cricket Club. I'm I'm right in saying that uh, both BMO and, and and Ian Tate actually came back over to Australia and came to play at Northcote. I assume you you must have been fairly sort of instrumental in in that. W- what were your sort of experiences of, I suppose, on the other side of things, being able to welcome a few of the English boys over? to Australia. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic to um you know Tady played Tady played the year prior to me coming across to uh to Max. So he was um he came across with uh, Mick Allen. But then obviously to, to build that relationship with him through that through that season and um, obviously near the back end of that season when I had that short notice to to come across it was great to be able to bounce those ideas off uh, off Tady. We basically landed a couple of days apart and um you know to have that to have that relationship already there to be able to you know, get introduced to people was um yeah, was was fantastic for me, you know, confidence wise and and being able to to have someone to lean on the whole time I was there. So that was uh yeah, that was uh very special to have have Tady Tady there. Um and then yeah, Benny Morrison obviously showed interest in, in coming back to Australia. Um 
yeah, I thought his uh, his technique um, would hold up hold up well in um, back here. So um, yeah, he played a season over here, and it was it was great to be able to you know try to replicate the I suppose the the treatment that that we received us Aussies receive over in Mac and you know try to um, take him under the wing and and look after him as as much as possible. Um, although I do know that my uh, he, he stayed with uh, my mum and dad for a little bit, and I do know that my mum was. Uh, Getting very short with his absolutely stinking cricket kit and his uh, his nighttime snacking that she could just hear the pantry continuously open through the night and uh, he just used to rifle through all the family food and leave them basically with nothing the next <laughs> next day along with this you know stinking kit in his, uh, in his bedroom that he never washed his whites and he uh, you know he's the he's the absolute pinnacle of. Uh, I suppose they, they call him the soap dodgers, don't they? Oh, mate, he, he is a filthy, filthy human being. That's all <laughs> I can say. <laughs> Look, Tags, there's been some some really great stories in there and, and lots of great memories, and hopefully we've we've been down a, a few nice nice memory lanes for you there as well, mate. Before we uh, head towards the end of the podcast, um, is there any anyone else you, you want to say anything to or any, any stories you've got or uh, perhaps any closing remarks? Oh, no, I just think, um, yeah, probably more... More a thank you to the the Mac uh, community, mate. To be honest with you, the um, the career club in general. Like it, it seems like it's it's just growing and growing with all the um, junior development side of things that you you see on on Facebook, and obviously a lot of the um, the older guys that we play with have have got the kids coming through those um, you know development um, stages now. So it'll be fantastic to um, to get over there at some stage to be able to see the the club and its changes and, and meet all these little kids that are that are running around and hopefully introduce my family to um to a lot of them there. Like Mac Mac holds a, a special place in, in my heart and obviously Jacinas as well. We we got engaged there um on Christmas Day um, or a lot of years ago now. So it's um you know there's a lot of special families there uh, for us that you know, like I said, the Joneses and the Ackleys and uh, the Mooreses, the whole Mooreses. Um, I'm not going to list them all because I'll I'll probably forget one. But yeah, the just the entire entire group, mate. They were um, it was an amazing time in my year. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't change anything about um, yeah getting across to Mac and and playing a playing a season over there because I've I've made lifelong friends and yeah, it's been a yeah, it's been a, an absolute highlight in uh, in my. Not only my career, career, but um, yeah, just life in general, mate, with the people that um, we've met along the journey, mate. Well, I, I think I can speak for everyone when I say, you know, you're you're in, incredibly well liked former Aussie, as with all our Aussies. But um, you know, there's always some great stories around yourself, um, you know, both on and off the fields. As I say, uh, you know, widely regarded as, as the quickest bloke we've ever had. So it's it's been great to have you on the podcast and catch up tags. And I'm sure we all look very much forward to seeing you as and when you can make it back over to Macclesfield. Perfect, Miles. Appreciate your time, mate. Stay safe, everyone over there. Cheers, tags. All the best, mate. We'll speak soon. Thanks, Mark. Bye. <laughs>